What's up, everyone? My name is Mel, and I'm your host over here at the Compulsory Gymnastics Connection. This is a podcast all about women's gymnastics levels one through five. We are going to talk about gymnastics experiences, non-gymnastics experiences, how those things shape and play into how we coach. We're going to go over day-to-day shop talk, really getting into how on earth we actually make it happen and we get it done. And lastly, how to keep it fun, because let's be honest, gymnastics is fun. I really hope that you are going to enjoy this just as much as I am. So let's get started. Well, you know what? We It says it's recording. We're finally here. <laughs> it only took us like forever in a day. Oh my goodness. So I'm so glad that we're finally able to do this. I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's get started, I guess. Uh, (laughs) So I just want for my listeners to know, you know, a little bit about you and your background. Um, And I want that to include coaching gymnastics. And then um, I remember the last time we had talked, you had some experience coaching elsewhere and um, you know, kind of how that has tied into your coaching. So I first got the coaching bug in high school and, um, I started coaching, uh, the cheer team. I was on the high school gymnastics team here in Midland and I have a, an awesome mentor coach who just did it because she was passionate about coaching. And she's like, why don't you coach, help coach the cheerleading team? So I did that and um, the bug kind of hit. And then when um, I went away to school, got married, started a family and the cheerleading job at my high school, we happened to live in our my hometown, uh, came open. So my first real professional coaching experience was high school cheerleading. Um, and along with that, I taught some tumbling uh, at Midland Gymnastics. And then we moved away and I did some like little rec things in New York. And then when we moved back, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom who did some coaching on the side. Like on Saturday mornings, I'd go coach some preschool classes and things like that. And my kids weren't really in gymnastics. Um, They were just, you know, regular kids wanting to try everything. And they got into, they did a little dance but they both became pretty involved in Taekwondo. And so as a family, we did that. And that's where my coaching bug really picked up was uh, the closer I got to my black belt, the more the master Lim, our instructor, she was like, I think you really need to teach the little kids class. And I started instructing little kickers, mini kickers, Taekwondo, and fell in love with just everything you could do, everything coaching does, you know, when a kid comes Mm -hmm. through the and it's been a bad day, then you're there and that bad day goes away. And uh, it's just, that's the feeling that I got there. And I got more in love with coaching. So I picked up more hours and it took a long time, but Midland asked me for about five years to come on the team side. And I kept saying, no, I love rec which I do, I, I, I could coach preschool and rec every day. Um, and then one day they were in really a big need. They had 
a coach had gotten pregnant and was on leave and they're like, can you please just do compulsory gymnastics? And I was like, I have a lot to learn, but okay. You know, so I started working in compulsory gymnastics and then I met Doug Davis from tumble track and he's like, yeah, why don't you come work for me and I'll teach you and let you see everything that's great about our sport. And you can stay coaching at Midland. And that was that. And ever since. Oh my then, gosh. Yeah. Oh, well, it, I, I, my first month at tumble track, I got to go to some of the best gyms in our country and meet the best coaches in our country who opened their doors and just said, yeah, come learn. Let me stand with them on the floor and ask any question I wanted, no matter how Do you question was. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, That's a- did you, did you feel like that that was gymnastics as a whole at the time that like, because, you know, I feel like through, through my experience, it's like everybody kind of keeps their stuff hush hush. And it's not like this big open, like, do you feel like that was a different, you know, walking into tumble track and, and going to these gyms and all of these people being so willing to, you know, give you whatever information that that was different than you had previously experienced. Yeah. So everything in my experience was that nobody shared anything. I had never gone to a Congress. I'd never gone to any kind of clinic. Everything I learned was just by asking questions or observing, you know, just watching. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're with Davis, people just want to share. And because he's so giving, like, you know, he's changed our sport, obviously, through the invention of the tumble track. But right. when he would step in, people would be like, yeah, come in. And he would just sit and watch and observe. And, you know, like I remember going into a gym in Chicago area and with Leonard Isaacs and Doug's like, go stand by him. Just listen to what he says. And I, I went up and I remember asking, hey, you know, can I just listen? And he's like, listen, ask questions, whatever you need. And every time I asked a question, he asked me a question back. And it was the best I ever got. So that's incredible. Yeah. And And how long have you been, how long have you been working for tumble track? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know, two early two thousands. Okay. So near 20 years. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Which like, I feel like, so I know you, I mean, I'm sure you were coaching when I did gymnastics, but I really know you from when I started to coach and when we were both, you know, on the compulsory circuit around in Michigan. And I, I've always known you as someone who would share and would, you know, like you would ask questions and you're one of the, you're one of the nicest people to rotate with. Ever. We always have so much fun. And so it's really cool to, you know, like, is, is that, you know, I know that's your personality in and of itself a little bit, but do you think that that has influenced the way that you, you would have coached versus how you do coach like that whole experience through working with someone? Heavens. Yes. So (laughs) I, this is the story I tell. So When I am doing any kind of coach education, because in 2011, um, we carry, my friend Carrie and I, who work for Tumble Track, um, 
we wrote the handstand homework book and we got asked to come and present it at national congress and since 2011 i tell any group of coaches i am fortunate enough to be in an education situation that one hopefully they'll get anything new out of anything that i'm sharing but don't think i've thought of it because this is all a culmination of everybody who's been willing to share with me but mm -hmm. that in the beginning, I was one of the worst. I look back, I was one of the worst coaches I ever met. Like, <laughs> how so? You know, think about, think about it. I, I came from a love of gymnastics. I was never particularly good at gymnastics. I just had great coaches along the way. Um, I, coaches who were understanding and caring and let you have a bad day and moved on and. You know, there was never, I, I was never coached by a yelling coach or by, I was coached by high expectation coaches. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. There's a difference, but no one ever yelled at me or made me feel less about myself. If I couldn't do something, they're just like, let's just, you know, try a different way. And so the creativity of coaching, I've always been influenced by that my whole life, but I was one of those, no, I want the kids to feel good and to love me. And we just chucked everything. It was terrible. You want to learn a double? <laughs> I, I remember you want to learn a double back? Great. Let's just throw them into the pit. Were they ready for that? No. Let's no. Today, I'm a much more progressive, thought out, patient coach. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that because I've been influenced by all these creative people in my life, all these coaches who are willing to step back and do it differently for each kid. I do it differently than for each kid. But I also mm -hmm. think, you know, I'm, I, I also say, I'm going to give every tool I know to the kids. That's their choice to use them. You know, you like, I remember, I remember learning compulsory routines with you at the last cycle. Oh I don't know if you yes. And you were teaching compulsory floor. Do you remember? We were, at the, we were at the Michigan clinic and I was back in the back with a bunch of, of male compulsory coaches who were having a really hard time with the corner and you were instructed, just keep going. You just had to keep going because you had to teach. Oh my gosh. There must've been 50 or 60 of us coaches there. And I do remember this. Yeah, I, I was totally blacking out on this for a second because I went and did a judges thing in Louisiana with Judy. Um, it, you know, I helped the judges learn it, but I totally forgot about the Michigan Clinic. And yes, I do remember this. Okay, keep going. Yeah, and so you had to keep going. And so I remember it was either you or Judy who said, Michelle, just get those guys through the corner because my words were a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it was that everybody was able to share what we knew and everyone got through it. And we had darn good compulsories that first year of those routines. So I think it's because everyone, like, I want that to be our sport. I want our sport to not be the you're in your silo and I'm in my silo. I just want everybody out in the yard playing together. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's, I think 
in general, like that's what I'm trying to do here with this podcast is that like, we don't always have the availability to go to other gyms and see what they're doing and talk about their training. And, and, you know, you know, of course that's really valuable, but you know, from a podcast standpoint, like we can talk about it and that will, I think that will be helpful to people too. So, um, so that's why I'm really excited about it. Um, <laughs> so that's amazing. Okay. Gosh, this is so great already. Um, <laughs> so, um, you yourself have a, from all of the experience that you've had, do you have a specific coaching philosophy that you've come up with and how did you, um, how did you decide on that? And like, how has it evolved and or changed over the course of your, your coaching? So it's really interesting. I coach just like I parent. So I, I set the same expectations for everyone, everybody. I'm going to give everybody the same tools. I'm going to set the same expectations. They're high. Don't get me wrong. I expect a lot. I expect you to do the assignments given to you. I expect that you do them to the best of your ability. But the difference is when I say that people are like, oh, but that gets, you know, you can be so mean. And so it can feel so unsuccessful. Well, my thing is my kids were vastly different. And so are each one of my athletes. And so your your best performance is different than my best performance is different than the next kid's best performance. What I want is to draw your own best. And I try to impart that with the kids. So I, when, I, when I was young and had little kids and was parenting, the rules were the rules, period. There's no change in the rules. But mm-hmm. how we get to the end result, it was different between both my children. So my oldest read by the time he was four and could do math and all of that. And my youngest took a little bit longer to put it all together, but it didn't make her any less. It just made her learning style different. And so I adapted for that. You know, she, she had to take notes. She was a very tactile person and we had to have much more hands-on. He was a very visual person, you know? And so he had to see it. And I think that's the way you have to coach. You have to be in all three hemispheres of that. The kids who have to learn by doing, the kids who have to learn by seeing, and the kids who have to hear it, you know? So like one of the things that I do that I don't think is, I mean, I know a few coaches who do it, but I pattern a ton. So we pattern through how it sounds so a round off, back handspring, back handspring has a certain cadence on the floor. And that's okay. how you mm-hmm. get, you know, you want to get to that cadence. But then there are all those visual learners that have to see a really good round off, back handspring, back handspring to watch the motion of that cadence. And then there are those kids who have to do until they can get it. And that's okay. Everybody's different. And so my philosophy is that you set super high expectations. You demand excellence. You demand that the kids come in willing to put the work in um, and all of that. But you do that by being prepared as a coach. So I'm a super lesson planner by being willing to scrap your preparation if it's just not working that day. 
Mm -hmm. um, which happens to all of us, right? Or what you thought you could do just doesn't work because everybody else has the mass you want, whatever it is. (laughs) But, but in that excellence, you allow each kid to experience their own success. So like I, this is going to sound crazy. I will shape all day long. I will put you in a hand. I mean, I will handstand on the floor, then sitting at the wall, then standing at the wall, then standing out on the floor until you can make the lines I want before we turn upside down. And I do that all the way with my three-year-olds. You have to lay down and be able to make a perfect shape, handstand shape before I'm going to let you invert yourself because innately we're going to get into a worse shape. I'm also trying to teach the kids that patience is go slow to go fast later. So if I can mm-hmm. get my, my little kids, my compulsories to go slow in the beginning and believe and trust in that process, trust in that philosophy, trust that what we're doing now is going to effectively allow them to move fast when they get to the harder skills because their root skills are so strong, then that's I've, I've won. So when they get up to that, you know, you know, your old gym was prime in that. Yeah. Like your coaches, this is what I know about where you come from. Your coaches (laughs) never want to be first in the state at level three, four, five, but they'd love to be at at 10. And they always had large teams of 10s. Because they got those kids to believe in that philosophy of get those basics so strong and do them every day. And then we just play add on on the trampoline, right? Yep. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm pretty sure I learned that at a clinic at your gym. (laughs) And it's, it's so interesting because, right, I, I grew up. That's, that's where I grew up. That's where I did gymnastics. That's where I coached gymnastics. So in my experience, that was like what gymnastics was. And so just, you know, so now moving out here and, and having something different and, um, like it's, it's very interesting. Um, my, my, um, women's director, she coaches our optional girls and I've started to work with them a little bit more recently. Um, but she, she said to me, like, I don't know how to have fun. Like all I ever did as a gymnast was work, work, work. And we did skills, skills, skills. And I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll take a kid to the side and I'll do a side station drill. That's like just this, whatever action. And like, I did like giant downswings or something like on a floor bar. And she was like, oh, that's really good. Like they just do, you know, like they're used to just doing the skills over and over and over. And granted the facility is like a lot different. So, you know, I was very fortunate from where I came from that they had everything. Um, and this one, not so much. So like, I've had to learn a lot of spotting. Um, I didn't do a ton of spotting previously. And, uh, so now I have to, now I have to spot more because of, of what is available to me. But, um, yeah, so she was just like, I don't know how to have fun. And I was like, wow, I'm really good at that. Like, I'm really good at finding productive get they're productive they're still gymnastics based it's not just like a free-for-all but that makes it fun for the kids so to 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 see that you know difference in 
in styles is interesting to me. Um, but I, wa I wanted to ask you if you are coming across kids who um, are kind of the go fast, like, I'm just going to get it all done. Um, like, how do you, how do you approach them? How do you pull them back to focusing on their basics? Is there something specific that you do in your rotations um, to ensure that they're not just rushing through? Do you do timed stuff? Do you do state? Like, how do you, how do you facilitate that in like your rotations? So it's really interesting because I think, um, you know, unfortunately COVID played a huge role in what kids think they can do and the time frames they think they can do it in. Okay. Um, so I, I do think we're experiencing a lot more, um, this is going to sound terrible, a lot more self-centric kids. It's okay. me, me, right? And so um, when I, I recently had um, a couple of girls in a large group, like I think it was probably 16 that we were working with, um, and they're mid-level. They're upper level compulsory early optional kids. Okay. So these these three girls were just, you know, you we were doing line drills across the floor. And so they were just easy handstand forward rolls, right? But they bent them, their arms every time or they stood up with pushing off the floor or because they just wanted to be first. That's all that mattered. Mm -hmm. And it was just, and finally, I just, I mean, I just kept doing them the same drill. We did it. We must've done it five times across the floor, the same handstand forward rolls. And so finally I said, okay, if they're not to where the expectation of excellence is, this was a, 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 a skill we had to do three levels ago, right? Three or four levels ago. Um, if it's not going to be to that standard when we had to compete it, then you can just stay on that and everybody else is going to move on. I just said it to the group as a whole. And they still did them the way they were doing them. And so when it came down to, I walked down the line and, and I told individually who was next, who, what was next. And when I got to them, everyone else was all, had moved on to, I, I think we had moved on to back extension rolls and they were stuck. And I finally, it was two more passes. And finally, one of them said, how do I move on? And I said, straighten your arms. And her response was, well, why didn't you just say that? And I said, oh, I did say it. But I shouldn't have to say that on a basic. Right. You should have to do it. And her response was, but you know what? Isn't that your job to tell me that? That this is how it is, right? Ooh, and that I, is a spicy kid. Yeah, she, I love her. Child, so it's fine. <laughs> I mean, because that's just, that's just who she is, right? And I finally looked at her, I said, it is my job, but it's also your job to learn and continue to always write your name with a capital letter at the beginning. And she looked at me and that got it. She was like, oh, yes, okay. And so we are, we have moved on from that. And that was the beginning of summer. I was, I mean, this group had had me before when they were little kids. And so I'm back new to this group. 
like new again. And one of the girls said to me uh, just before break, she's like, I forgot how much the details matter to you. Hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what we're missing. So like, it's funny because I think, I often think of you and Christy at Beam. When you're getting Beam, right? So you and Christy, what a dynamic duo. I always just so fun. I would hope and pray that I get to rotate with the two of you. And you each had your jobs. One calmed the kids, one prepared the kids, one kind of, you know, you you each had your different jobs at Beam. And I Mm -hmm. know that Coach Kristen and I emulated that. I I don't know if you remember, but we, you, it quickly became when we rotated with you, one of us stood back and got the kid prepared and one stood at beam and did the last final says, just like how you and Christy did it and always hugged when we were done. There was never a bad beam. It didn't matter. You fell seven times. You still got a hug. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, it didn't matter. And that's, that's where, that's where the change has to come from. And so I think, fortunately, we're lucky enough to be able to lead by example. But, you know, the philosophy of gymnastics coaching should be to create a happy, healthy human first who happens to just love our sport. Because ultimately, they're going to become productive members of our society that have manners and respect and work ethic and perseverance that will all lead them to the success of their life. Right. That's what we want. A hundred percent. Yeah. You can't do that if you beat them down all the time, because then that becomes the expectation. But you, you think that people don't, coaches don't realize that what they're doing is actually beating kids down or making them feel some type of way that's not positive about themselves, just because that is how they've done it for so long. So I don't know if I agree totally. I mean, okay. maybe, but I think this is, this is so cynical. I think the phrase, because we've always done it that way is such a closed mindset, but I mm-hmm. also think sometimes those coaches, because whatever, there's some satisfaction. I mean, I've sit, I've sat and watched coaches be satisfied like a child they are mad at falls. They're satisfied that she didn't get the score. And I, that baffles me. Mm -hmm. It baffles me. I, 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 that is not something I understand, nor do I respect. And usually those are the people I walk away from. I mean, I have been in a rotation of, and you know, you know, this is me of people. I don't care for how they talk to children. And I may have one athlete in an optional level and I'll take my minute and a half by myself. I'll do my three votes and be done and walk away because I don't want my kids to experience that. That's not, you know, so you think that, so you think that, or you're saying that with, you know, if, if a coach looks satisfied that a kid fell, which you know, is baffling. So they know what they're doing and that is an, like they're, they're not unaware of the effect that they have on their kids. 
Correct. I think that there are coaches that, unfortunately, that is a power and a controlling thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we define that as abusive now, but right. it's easily hidden. You know, it's just still like, I've never understood why a coach would leave a kid on the beam for an entire practice because they won't go for a series. Well, that's right. I mean, well, I, I know, I know that I personally have been on the end of that. <laughs> uh, but you know, in the old days, I mean, when we're talking 20 plus years ago, that's what people did because that's what we were led to believe was the way to get through the mental block. Right. Just let them stay there. They'll get through it. Right. Just let them be. They'll get through it. They'll get through it. They'll figure it out. Right. We know today that's not the case. We know through development and learning that that's never going to work for an athlete. That's just going to cause more, more strife, more internal struggle. And, you know, I, I remember being the first time I coached an optional kid. I remember, um, I was coaching beam and she didn't finish her assignment. She's like, I'll I'll stay until I finish assignment. And I said, your 45 minutes is up. Your assignment took 32 minutes and left you, you know, 13 minutes to goof around, get a drink, talk to your friends. I know how long this assignment should take. You chose not to do it. So you don't get to do it. Bye. Go to, go to your next event. That's fine. And that was so she, she didn't know what to do because she was one of those kids who had been stuck on bounce beam sometimes and never, never with the beam coach, always with when it was an off rotation. Right. Um, and so she, the next day got to the thing and she said, how long do you think this assignment takes? And I said, again, there are 32 minutes. I want you to be successful. This is the beginning of me being a beam coach. I want you to feel success. I want you to feel completion. And then we'll add on because 32 minutes soon becomes 28 minutes, soon becomes 25 minutes. Then we can add more things. And um, she she finished in 40 minutes and she's like, I'm done. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. It's my first time. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I might be a good beam coach. I don't particularly like beam, but I might be a good beam coach. <laughs> and, you know, I love to coach bars. Love it. I've coached bars all day long, all levels. But um, for for a long time, I coached beam. And yeah, I, I never understood. I mean, the kids would come to me. We would get kids from other gyms and, they, and they'd be like, well, I don't understand. Don't I have to stay here? I'm like, no. And I remember talking with coaches back a while ago and they'd be like what do you mean you don't make them stay like why would I it's like this is what I I don't know this is a tangent but it's like the kid who gives you the outbursts and all the attitudes and you have them go climb a rope or or do 10 jumping jacks before they come back in or run around the gym to cool off or something oh so let's take the kid with the worst attitude and make them the strongest so gymnastics is the easiest makes no sense just tell them to sit down. Right? Yeah. Take a beat. Yeah. It's just like slow down, hey, close your eyes, breathe. Like, 
Yeah. I don't need you to be better. That's not what we're doing. Because you are a, a troubled kid. Right. I need everybody to be strong. Not just you. <laughs> you know, and that's the worst. But I mean, I think about it. In any sport, a kid who plays a competitive sport, any competitive sport that's like a club sport or even school sports now, they're so competitive. They do not want to sit down ever. That's the worst thing you could do to them is ask them to sit down because they just want to go. And so, you know, it's just like thinking differently, thinking differently about how, you know, we were just talking about forward roles. And one of the rec coaches said to me, I just can't get this kid to do a forward role. I've tried everything. And we went through the checklist. You went down a wedge, you went off a block, you went with a beanbag underneath their chin. You taught them how to, you know, roll with no hands so they have to tuck their head under. I've tried everything, she said. And I said, have you just simply had her do a rock and roll where she hugs her knees from a sit to a back and to stand back up? And she's like, no. And I said, well, why don't you just start there? And it was, so foreign that we would start from the end instead of the beginning Mm -hmm. and then you know a couple weeks later she came she's like that girl has great forward roles i was like okay here we go and that's there we go right but that's where compulsory gymnastics is i mean you know it's it's like i'm super patient on that silly front handspring because once it's taught wrong as you know it's very hard to make right Mm-hmm. and so we go slow I start with the end in mind I start you know going off a double set of panel mats so they have to a to a a knee or a chest roll so that they aren't don't even stand so that they are pushing hips forward I I'm like no I'm going to begin with how I want it to land so that they never ever squat and, and sit it down and throw their head forward and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna, it'll just be bad everywhere else if we never teach them how to engage their hamstrings and stand up the right way. Right. That's something I'm still working on with my kids. Like a lot, a lot of the girls, um, like were already doing the skills for the level when I came in, but they were not, you know done as as well as I would like them to be and they're all pulling their head forward and then they're dropping their butt and they're just they're they're not opening up through their chest at all and I have spent I mean it it takes a really long time like there are some that are still working on it and I've been working with these kids for a year yeah isn't that amazing it and it takes so long to go back and fix it and some kids like I'm like, okay, we might not quite get this the way I want it, <laughs> but right. it's closer, right? Like, it's like, it, you know, um, oh. you'll ke- I'll keep working at it. Like it'll, I'll still work on it, but it's, it's like, okay. I it's know. been a year since I've been working on it. Like, and it doesn't take a year to teach the skill, but it's taking a year to correct it now okay. that it was, you know, not done well. Right. Like I, but you know, what's so funny is I think the front handspring takes a long time. Like this is a good skill to talk about because I don't teach them 
I don't, I don't teach them. We do when you are in my developmental preteen class, we start on our knees with our hands over our head and we do chest rolls onto eight inch mats and try not to let our hands hit. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we that roll. And then when you get to be a level three, we do them from um, like a stand and try to chest roll it up a wedge and not hit your hands. And then we might do it from off a block, like front limber to a chest roll. But then we might also do a ton of them on the trampoline, like really long ones. I don't care if you land on your back and you lay down the first couple of times, just don't change your body shape. And eventually they understand, you know, that. And it's so funny because someone's like, why do you take so much time in that skill? You know, we only do front handsprings in compulsory gymnastics. And I finally said, do you have any idea what a toe up to the high or a toe heck to the high bar is? It's a front handspring off the low bar. Yep. And you have to get your feet behind and swing forward. And they just look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, but... (laughs) But it is. Everything is connected. And that's that's something that I really try to make sure my kids know, right? Okay, we're doing this thing, but what is this going to turn into one day? You know, if we're doing a backwards roll, you know, we're doing basics across the floor. I'll say, okay, what is this? You know, oh, back tuck. I was like, okay, cool. What else? You're like, oh, double back. You know, like they, they understand that all of these things that we're doing now are going to set them up. Like we were talking about earlier, if they have that solid foundation to go faster once they get up there. You know, don't you wish we could change rut coaches to use that kind of language? Yeah. When your preschool and rut coaches are teaching a hollow shape, they're saying, look, we're doing our very first back hip circle. Look, we're doing, you know, I just think of all of the ways we could change preschool and rec so that those kids are exposed to why that's important, not just to do hollow rockers and pike and do all these nonsense things. Right. It's just because I mean, and that's, you know, that's kind of the philosophy I'm going for with go to your head coach and find what words she wants or he wants you to use with your team and then put it all the way down to preschool. So if your head coach wants the kids to know what passe is, it should start in preschool. And then every coach uses it. And every coach knows what that head coach passe is supposed to be. And I think that culture of your gym is so important. And that's one thing, like, you know, the culture that you came from, for the most part, of course, every every gym has crazy days, right? But for mm-hmm. most people, the culture of your gym was that everybody did it the same. You could have pre-team through your level 10 girls on the floor and the basics were still the basics on Saturday morning. Yep. And I, you know, I give a lot to Lori because she taught me so much. And she was the, one of the first really giving coaches, Hey, how do you teach that? And she's like, well, I use a ton of steps. And they started this six years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I I feel, you know, I feel so fortunate to to come from where I come from um, because of things like that. Um, And because I learned, I think I learned so much about 
coaching itself from that but like the the other things like um like what like why I did it you know when I was coaching um in Michigan it was very much I'm coaching just to coach because it's familiar to me and I know this sport and you know it was originally for me supposed to be like an in-betweener so yeah I didn't necessarily have the same intention and reasons behind why I was coaching. Um, and so I learned, I learned a lot about that actually after I stopped and then, and I've come back into it, you know, now with a completely different mindset around coaching. So it's, it's been very cool to see, but I'm super thankful that I learned what I did when I did from where I came from. Um, because it was incredible. Oh yeah. So they definitely, they definitely made me into, you know, a a, a strong piece of, of what I value as a coach now. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, um, I remember, so I do remember you as an athlete, um, you and Jordan. Okay. (laughs) And so now to listen to and watch, what's so awesome to me is, so you, Jordan, and my daughter, Kelsey, all were the same, right? You guys competed against each other. I watched, I remember watching and being cheerful and cheering everybody on because your your group of athletes, there seemed to be this cohesion in in Michigan at that time with our level nines and tens. They just, everybody everybody and everybody cheered for everybody and you know like it's amazing to me I think about it and when Kelsey graduated from college gymnastics friends came from all over just to to wish her well and she got cards and I was like god this community and that's what Mm -hmm. it is and it's not fostered enough and when we went through and are still going through the terrible times that happened with mm-hmm. everything that happened, we got yep. turned and Midland, Midland, Michigan, because of proximity, really got hit. We closed in. Our kids didn't go to, you know, I mean, I remember it used to be nothing for Midland to pack up and go down to Olympia and spend the Saturday at Olympia all day. And during this, you know, during a, yeah, like it was like always Fridays during the summer. Yes. On exactly. Come down, work out, come hang out. Yes. And just sit around the campfire at night. I mean, those are the kind of memories that we have. And then we went through this terrible, dark period where everyone kind of pulled in and nobody went to anybody's gym and it's it just became very closed and quiet because everyone's dealing with a ton right it's it's been a long six years or however long it's been now um and I think about all of the things that we need to get back to and all of those and I think we're going to be there I think we have a generation of young owners starting again and a generation um people getting back to the reasons they coach that are going to make a huge difference but it's everywhere so I'm hearing that everywhere in May I was uh at coach to coach in at flip fest and Mm -hmm. 
I was so blown away by these young directors and managers and owners and their ability to share. And so we had two 30 something coaches, one compulsory, one Excel, do this joint basics. And everyone expected it to be different between Excel and um, compulsory. Everyone expected them to teach it differently. And I'm not sure why. And finally, both of them at the same time looked up to the crowd and said, hey guys, gymnastics is gymnastics. And I was like, oh my heart, I'm so happy. <laughs> because that's, that's right, gymnastics is gymnastics. All the other stuff we do is how we impact and influence those kids. So when you think about, you think about all the doctors, lawyers, teachers, nurses, military, police officers that have come from gymnastics, that all have this passion and to help you know, I, I, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of doctors that come out of gymnasts or mm -hmm. lawyers, you know, but it's because they time manage so well. And ultimately, I think when they're raised in the right community, they want to give back because they experienced that give their whole life. And that's where my philosophy is. I, I want to create those, those kids who love gymnastics and have good gymnastics but really love themselves, can be positive about themselves and then contribute. And I'm finding that we're in a society right now, it's harder. The kids aren't positive about themselves. They, they have a harder time giving themselves positive feedback. They see the negative first. And that's, that's gonna take a while to change, but we're you know one coach at a time, right? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, it's I I love our sport. I love what our sport does. I love compulsory gymnastics. I think compulsory gymnastics teaches kids so much. And you know, I don't know how northern California is, but if you travel around our country, compulsory gymnastics is just getting a terrible name. The region 8 is Excel is taking over. People don't do a lot mm. of They do bronze, silver, level three, gold, test out, test out optionals. Interesting. Yeah. And I see that that's like I'm I think I'm very uh, narrow in in my scope and and you know, you with your job, you've done, you know, you've kind of seen all of it. So you're definitely more in tune with that than than I have. Um I have going on and I've only been I've only been in the circuit here for like the circuit um for one year I've only gone through one competitive season here so I can't like super speak to it and we don't uh, my gym does not have an excel program any longer um oh, wow. yeah it was um we migrated them I think post covid um there was a lot that happened and and, and it did end up I, we didn't have space for it honestly um and so that was really really difficult and um but I know that that would be something that you know I, I mean it, it keeps like for me I felt like my experience with Excel in Michigan was it it could keep kids in the sport longer um yes. 
and and it and it and it allows for more you know right like it's more inclusive to everybody and i think that um it's so important because they're, they're right we're talking about all these great things that gymnastics cultivates for us um in the world and it's like you know regardless of whether they're gonna go on and do even optional gymnastics or college gymnastics like you're still learning those things on some sort of level you know if you do competitive gymnastics at any at any point in your competitive career you know it doesn't have to just be oh I learned this great time management or, you know, this work ethic when I was a level eight, they right. learned that as a level three, you know, or two or one, you know, like or the preteen things like that. So when you have something that's like all encompassing like that with the Excel program, like it just is able to provide more kids, more experience. Agreed. I just hope it doesn't take away from and this is where my fear is, it's gotten to the point in some of our regions where it's usurping the basics and it's being used not for the purpose that the program was started. I agree mm. with you. The Excel program in Michigan, so encompassing and keeping kids in the sport longer and allowing them the opportunities to try other things and to be, you know, to march in the marching band and do those things and still do some pretty great higher level skills. But it's, I, I'm fearful it's eating our compulsory program. Mm, and I don't, I, I totally believe like, you know, I don't know if you remember, but nobody likes to do level five, right? Correct. In, yes. I <laughs> yeah. Nobody does, at least in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. But I love it. I think it's the most important level. It teaches all of your optional basics. Level five is much harder to master than level six, maybe even level seven, because you do more skills. You know, your bar routine has 10 elements versus six elements in level six. Right. And you, yep, the angles might be not be as high, you might not, but there's nothing that says they can't be. Right. You know, there's nothing that says you can't go kip, cast, handstand, clear, up, handstand, kip, squat on. There's nothing that says you can't, but you're still developing rhythms and timing and, you know, all of those things, the patterns of a level 10 bar routine start in level four and five. You know, it's yep. interesting because, you know, I, I all the kids, I'm like, look, if you learn this level or dismount off bar right, a pirouette's easy because it's the same hand movement. It's just on the side of the bar instead of on top of the bar. Right. Hello. Look at that. I know. But yeah, it's just so connected. It, it does. <laughs> that's but that's the beauty, right? And so you don't have to teach those things. You don't have to teach those things if you take a different route. And then we're going to lose out. So yeah. I, I just, you know, I think about it all the time. I really love compulsory gymnastics. I love to teach it. I love, mm -hmm. maybe it's, I love that age of kid a ton. You know, I love yeah. seeing five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. They, I love them. They want to share with you. They're, you know, 
there's always something new with them. Everything is new every day. They want to be at gymnastics. And that's, I think, I think that's what I love most is they want to be there. I want to be there. I want to cultivate that for the long term. I want you to always want to be at gymnastics. Yep. So. I think that's why I gravitate towards the, those guys too. And that was like, not something like when I, when I initially like came back to coach, I didn't, I applied to coach preschool gymnastics. I did not want to coach team. I never, never thought I would actually be a, a coach. Um, so it's funny how that works out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really took, I really took to, to those three, four fives, those little ones. Um, yeah. Because, and I think it's because of that reason, because everything's new, everything is always exciting. And it's like, and it's easy. I mean, like, yes, like I, I get that, you know, it's, it's harder when, you know, like it's a little easier when they're little to get them excited about doing these things, um, you know, and you have to work at it a little bit more, you know, as they get older and into like middle school, high school age. Um, but if you can cultivate it when they are that little, I think it does hold itself moving yeah. forward. Yeah. You know, it's funny is everyone's like, oh, sixth grade, seventh grade. That's when we lose all of our athletes. Well, do you lose your, and this is a question. I don't, I don't know the answer. Do we have the big bulk of loss in sixth and seventh grade because more opportunities become available through school or we forgot to keep having fun in the gym? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, when I look, think about it, our, our sixth and seventh graders are going to be our pre-optional kids. Did they go from compulsory where compulsory coaches still are, they're strict and they have high standards when they're good compulsory coaches, but they still have a lot of fun. You watch compulsory play games and do races and silly things that the kids have no idea that they are conditioning. Um, did that stop when they went to the optional level in sixth or seventh grade? Did they forget? Probably. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you bring up the games thing because um, literally the, the first week I was coaching, I was coaching, uh, there are hummingbirds group. So they're like five years old and they're, you know, on track for competitive gymnastics. And I played for warm up. I played, what was it? Um, natural disaster with the one yeah. eight inch mat in the middle of the floor. They're running around. They're doing it, you know, 50, you know, they have an hour of practice. It was a 15 minute warm up, And the very next week, my boss called me and was like, um, we don't really play games. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> I'm like, they're five and we're going to play games. Uh, so I will just have to be a little more sneaky about it. But I was like, what do you mean? They're five. We're playing right. games. It's all a game at this point. That's right. She'd hate me then. I get the connection. She, I mean, she's like, she's still, she's still my boss and she's great. And she has, she was the one who was like, I don't know how to have fun, you know, but that's just, she never, she never learned how to have fun and be productive at the same time. And there's so many ways to do that. Um, Christy Christy and I came up with some good games, which I want to do like an entire episode on just games we can play. Oh yeah. Maybe both. I think maybe both. I, we uh coach um 
Carrie and I came up, uh, one of our Congress lectures back in 2012, 180 games around the gym, more or less. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't we have, have that many. I'm going to need, I'm going to need that, that, uh, that Oh yeah. That, yeah. It's amazing. Like there's party games and get to know you games and wasting time games for when you're supposed to be on tumble track, but the optionals are still there, you know? Um, but we also like, we, I just started playing. Did you know connect four has four sides now or two sides? So you can play four different teams. No, I didn't know that. That's fun. It's so fun. And so like we, I do vault with connect four. So we have different objectives, but those kids vault so fast and get so much work done because they're trying to get whatever the objective is. It's to fill the board first and then whoever has the most pieces in the board or to stick landings and then you get to put the board, you know, connect for whatever, whatever mm -hmm. the objective is that day. But, you know, on those days, I don't play a game every day, but on the days we play games, I feel like one, it energizes them Two, they get so much more work done. And that's a memory Then I've, I have a core memory of something fun. And so they don't mind coming and doing the same running drills every day. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think games are important and I think it's important all the way up. Um, yeah. Cassie, Cassie Rice, who's down in Las Vegas area. Okay. She plays games with her optionals every day. She has a game every day. And she like, has is it on, like on the same event or is it a different event? Like different game? Yeah, it's different. She every, from. Yep. She just has different things every day where her level 10s have to play a game in the gym every day. I'm here for that. I need to talk to her too. <laughs> She's amazing. That's awesome. That's She's awesome. amazing. Yeah. That's wonderful. Cool. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. And I, my heart just like, Every, I just feel so lifted when I get to talk to people like you. And so it's just wonderful. Oh my so gosh. thank you for being so wonderful. Well, thank you. All right. Have a so. wonderful evening and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's all I've got for you guys today. I am, like I said, I'm so excited to be bringing this to you guys and I would love your feedback. If there's something in this episode that really resonated with you, please let me know. Um, if there's something that you want to hear more of, shout it out. If there's something that you are like, I could have totally done without that story or that background or whatever that information is, let me know that. This is obviously um, a new endeavor and we're figuring out what this is going to look like moving forward. So I want to hear all the feedback and what, what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. So if you are somebody who wants to talk to me and wants to share your experience and you feel like you have something to say, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, you can DM us on our Instagram, which is at Compulsory Gymnastics Connection, um, or shoot me an email at Compulsory Gymnastics Connection at gmail.com, and we can connect. I would love, love, love to get as many voices heard as I can. 